You should hit up that bulk biller at Clamacorda just because it's so conveniently out of the way for you now. Yeah, it's so far from where I live, Tom. That sounds... But he's good, man. Isn't it cool as hell living in a country with like a good public healthcare system? I didn't have to break bad or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Who, who would be your Jesse Pinkman? Or if I may, Jesse Stinkman. Well, okay. So the way I see it is I wouldn't go and find a Jesse Pinkman. What I would find is like... Someone who knows how to I, cook meth. I feel like I'm maybe the Walt and the Pinkman, but not really the Jesse or the White. So sort of what like so, aspects, yeah, like sort sort of the, sort of the Walt without any of like the technical or scientific ability, which makes him so good. Yeah. So, <laughs> so kind of just like a dying man is what you mean. Who <laughs> <laughs> needs money and will do anything to get it? Because <laughs> that's a good sell, dude. That's a good sell. If you can find a young genius, that's dude, a good sell. You walk straight. Dude, you walk into ABC, you pitch this premise right now. <laughs> Three seasons at least. <laughs> it's like Breaking Bad, but opposite. <laughs> oh my god. This is a tale of a strange and dangerous world. A world known as Carthus. This is an adventure full of magic, hardship, and ale. This is a tale about a world at war, and the people who are forced to endure it. From the wounds of battle come three unlikely partners, trying to make sense of something much larger than themselves. But, more than any of that, this is a story about how to win loot and influence dragons. to How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons. It's a D&D 5e actual play for Curio. I'm your short-haired, don't-care dungeon master, Ben McAllister. I am your Sydney dad, Jackson Newson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your probably next, Thomas Owen. Always next, I would I. Yeah, I, w- I would say Grace is usually bringing up the rear, as it were. I'm your chili toes, Grace Chavo. Chili toes. Yeah. Grace has got like a little bowl of spicy minced meat. Just dip it your toes in it. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's the new petty style. Uh, <laughs> dip your feet <laughs> in and out of hot goo. Yeah, I won't eat meat, but I will dip my toes in it. It's a little old. There you go. So, uh, after, I'm going to say the most viscerally upsetting uh, <laughs> intro names to date. I'm just a cool dad. That's true, but it was really just the chilly toes. Who's dead are you? What's wrong with my toes? I'm so attacked right now. (laughs) So enough about meats, vegetables, various spicy dishes, and also states of coldness on your appendages. How about we tuck into a bit of a recap? Yes, please. When we last left our heroes, they had found themselves in an unknown region of Carthus after transporting back into the material plane. They quickly came upon a house where they met a local farmer named Mel. After a rocky start to their relationship, Mel informed the party that a series of burglaries had been taking place in the area, and the group were fortunately able to return some of the stolen objects, having found them in the hobgoblin lair that they teleported into upon leaving the web. Mel went on to inform the party that she'd seen a strange figure walking past her farmhouse alone at night, a little over a week prior. Our heroes set out for Forest's Edge after a message from Garrick informed them that many people were looking for them on the road, but that Hasselback's cousin, Kipfler, would be able to arrange for some surreptitious transport to Carthus. The party re-entered the Ashwood and made haste towards Forest's Edge, but found themselves ambushed in the woods when an arrow narrowly missed Duncan and thwacked into a tree above their heads. That brings us to right now. Shall we tuck right into this combat? Serve it up. Give me some initiative rolls, each of you. Oh, yes. Oh, All right, I got a six. I got the sweet P of initiatives, which is, as it turns out, sweet three. Okay. 21 for your boy. Fucking hell, Jackson. <laughs> I thought you were our dad. You can't be our dad and our boy. Uh, I have some horrifying news to tell you. Oh, Thomas. no. Uh-huh. Just Wait, does that even work? Tripled myself. 
Oh god, dude, come on. <laughs> We've been over this, surely. What's tripling yourself? Oh. Have we not made a tripling joke before? No. no. Oh, it's when you <laughs> and <laughs> all at the same time. <laughs> oh. I don't know whether or not they came up with it, but I heard that first on Misfits. Hasn't come up. Who was I talking to about tripling then? Goodness, that's me, a worry. Me for like the past six years, dude. <laughs> <laughs> from the show. Alright. <laughs> It'd be hard to be in such a position that all three of those things were on yourself. I don't know, man. Okay. Your pants? No, if... we're not having this go. No, oh, we're <laughs> No, that's true. If you've got your pants on or if you're in a space suit or a scuba suit. If you're in a space suit. Or a scuba suit. What? <laughs> okay, so first in the order is unsurprisingly my 21-year-old dad slash son, Jody Mastana. hey Now... Here's a question. Yeah. Do they, do, do they get a surprise around on us? Um, yeah, they, they, as... they did. That was the arrow that missed you. A shit surprise <laughs> round. <laughs> who, who, who shot the arrow? Can I see? You could take a perception check to look around. You didn't see them originally. That would be his action, though. That's rough. I'm oh, not worried about that. It's only a 14. Okay. No, you can't. Well, then I guess I charge towards the, the dude in front of me and just, like, crack into him with my concussive rod. Yep, I'm going to say by the time this is popping off, you guys are within 40 feet of him, so you can certainly get there. Yeah, could have been could have been 45, to be honest, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, no worries. It's a 24 to hit. That, I believe, will do it, even though he I'd is say so. full plate. Even though he is full Oh, shit, plate. okay. D8 plus 5. Uh, 7 damage, and I'm going to go for a... Um, Martial strike, whatever it's called. Uh-huh. Uh, that was to sixteen. Okay, T, what's going on? I can't even see. I, I, I just screen. discovered. I just discovered Grace's <laughs> map. Okay, thank you. Yeah, a sixteen doesn't hit that guy. I'm guessing uh, it does not. Unfortunately. Yep. Cool. Are All right, you, with, you my, with my second attack. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll roll. That next one is a 17. Oh, unfortunately, no. Your stick thwacks off his plate armor. Oh, man. Well, I think Jody feels very impotent, but uh, that's probably his move. Okay, cool. The next person to act is a person that none of you see. What they do is fire a longbow at Drazilia. And does 15 hit your AC? I believe it does. It does. Okay. Drazi is going to take an unfortunate five damage. And another longbow fired at Duncan, but that's only a 13 to hit, which I imagine isn't going to hit Duncan's AC. Mm-mm-mm. Fantastic. <laughs> so, yep, that's what happens there. The next person to act is another person that y'all don't see. Okay, this person does something that none of you immediately notice. <laughs> well, that is the end of that. Now it's Drasilia's turn. Um, okay. You can take a free look around, I'll say. Oh, yeah, I'm going to look through these trees. Perception check it. <clears throat> oh, no. Yeah, it's a five. Okay, nothing, nothing doing there. Nothing pops out. Uh, so the only thing you can see is this guy in full plate armor. Can't see the uh, trees for the wood. No. All right, um, <laughs> I blow on my magical fingers. I put my hand, my left hand, onto Duncan's shoulder, and I whisper haste into his ear. Oh, nice. <laughs> there you go. Now, now T is hasted. Yeah. And it's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing too because it's his turn. So proceed to go on with your haste. Um, With haste, some might say. I am going to straight up run at this full-plated ding-dong in front of us. Which you can now reach. Yeah, you can reach him. He's 40 feet away. Nice. So then I will attack him with my sword. Yeah. Big old swing and ding-ding. You probably get like four attacks for free, right? Because you've got haste. Uh, We'll figure that out. We'll get there. Okay, great. Go Um, ahead and make your attack. Can you look up the spell? Yep. um, Just because I don't know how it works. First attack, coming in hot. I'm not going to power attack, because he's in full plate. And good idea. Sensible. Oh, that's a one. That's not going to do Okay, it. good thing that you've got multiple of those. But I do have extra attack. So here comes extra attack. Oh, that is five plus eight. That's 13. That's not going to do it. <laughs> um, so you get an additional action, plus two to AC. Plus two to AC. Oh, you get nice. an additional mm-hmm. action. And he gets, like... Dash for um, free, right? Yeah. You only you only get one attack in the extra action, though. You don't get a uh, double multi attack. So, um, here's my haste attack. Okay. That is eight plus eight, which is going to be close, but it's probably not going to cut it. So I'm going to use my precision, precision nice. maneuver, which is going to be six onto sixteen. Yeah. So you hit him. 
So I hit him with that one, and that is going to be 14 damage. Nice. Then I will use Action Surge for another two attacks. Okay, go ahead. That's a 27 to hit. Yep, yep, that hits. And um, that is going to be 13 damage from that one. Oh boy, some chunky hits from Chunky Dunky. So, so far you've run up to this guy, you've taken, what... Five swings at him. You've, you've managed to, like, snick your sword into gaps in his armor a couple of times, and you can see him kind of wince as uh, he's getting a few little cuts on his body. But he's still standing, and he's still looking reasonably, reasonably good. And now the extra attack from Action uh-huh, Surge. Uh-huh, Get extra attacks. So here it comes, hot and fresh. That's a three, so... Okay, all right. So two, two hits that's from... Gonna... Two hits from five swings. That's three strikes here out, Donkey. It's a bit rough. Next person to act is this beefy boy. Uh, who's seeing this similarly full-plate-wearing man before him decides to swing out at you with his greatsword. That's right, it's greatsword v greatsword. Duncan versus mm. Big Boy. And the first swing is... 22 to hit. That'll hit. And the second swing is only a 9, so that won't hit, that I will not. Okay, so the first hit with this greatsword deals you a whopping 11 slashing damage as this greatsword snicks a portion of your body not covered by armour, which would be what, maybe your like shoulder or something? How does one take damage in full plate armour? Actually, hit points are not literally, you don't need to be bleeding, it can be exhaustion. Yeah, we've we've discussed how that's total garbage when it comes to things like fireballs. I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe you just have to duck and roll really hard. <laughs> maybe it dents and it like yeah, pushes into him. Yeah, you so. get a little bit of bludgeoning damage. Yeah. We'll call it. All right, it's Jody Mastana. You got this beef boy in front of you. I'm gonna say you can take another free look around every turn. Oh, you didn't take a look, T. Take a look, Duncan, before we move on. Sixteen. Okay. Okay. With those rolls, with that sixteen, you can see behind you, off to your left, a shape of a humanoid figure holding a longbow through the trees. Roughly how far from me now? Uh, well, if the guy was 40 feet away from the tree, I'm going to say 200-ish feet away from you now. Goodness so like, me. Maybe a little less. Maybe like 150 away from you now. Maybe he's like 100 feet away from the tree that he fired the longbow at. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry, 150 away from you. I you guess know. I'll be like, over there! Yep, so you can kind of point them out. And I'm going to yeah. say that now grants the rest of your teammates advantage on their free perception checks. Okay. So it's Jody's turn now. You may as well take Ooh, your perception okay. check, Jody. I may as well, right? Uh, well, the first one was a flat one. Uh-huh. The second one is a 13 plus 6, that's a 19. Okay, that does beat the hide check. So you can now see the same thing that, that uh, Duncan just saw. Probably a good 150 feet away from you, back into the left a little bit. So probably like 100 and change feet away from where Drazilia is still hiding behind the tree that you guys are all initially hiding behind. There's a humanoid figure holding a longbow, sort of hiding in some in between some foliage. Now just the one. From this guy. Sorry? Just the one. No, that's a good question, because you, you should really only have advantage on searching for the one of them. But that being said... Yeah, fuck it, in the interest of moving things along. Jody, with that 19, you can also see a similar figure in a mirror image position off to the right of the tree that Duncan did not see on his search. So you know there are two longbow-wielding humanoids about 100 feet back away from the tree Drasilia's behind, one off to the left, one off to the right. Cool, 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 cool. I think Jody's probably just like, two of them to Duncan, and then probably files that away under uh, pressing but not urgent. And then, um, I think swings his concussive rod into this full plate boy. Yeah, bring it on. Uh, an 18 to hit. That will hit. Oh, thank fuck. <laughs> okay, that is eight damage. And then my martial strike will be also an 18 to hit. Uh, yep, that hits. For seven damage. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, with my second attack, my second main attack... That'll be, oh, 26 to hit. Yep, that does it. Which out, fuck, max damage. So that'll be uh, 13 damage. Oh boy. And then, uh, yeah, I'll burn a key point and then I'll punch this dude uh, twice more. Oh, goodness. Okay. So yep. 25 for, yep. fuck uh, me. for five damage and then 21 for <sighs> seven damage. And oh my God. I'd like him... Two. Sorry, let me just check where the check is real quick. But I wanted to do something for me. Um, okay, I'm going to save you some time because he's dead. 
<laughs> Jody unleashes an unholy gale of blows against a man who, prior to six seconds ago you wouldn't have even called bloodied, proceeds to strike him a number of times with fists and large copper rod, and he goes from being a man looking maybe like he's in the middle of a fight but certainly not about to fall over to dead on the ground before your very eyes. <laughs> so that was have... fucked up. How much damage did he do? 40. 40 total damage. It was two, really? It was it was eight for the first rod hit. Then it was seven for the next rod that hit. So eight for the first rod hit, seven for the martial action, thirteen for the second rod hit. Then he took two more, uh, which were five, and then seven. You know that Jody, uh, other than like feeling a, a, a small small feeling of success, he's just got a gun. He's forty five feet towards the nearest uh, longbowman. Okay, you move 45 feet towards the nearest long moment. Well, they're, they're, they're equidistant because it's kind of like a mirror image. So, so Jody's back left, near us. Left or right. Do they have any features that I can like point out or something like that? Like, which, like is one of them wearing a feather cap? You can't really see them all that well yet, but one of them but is off to the left do I get in the, the trees. Do, do I get the sense no. that one of them is wearing a feathered cap? <laughs> <laughs> do you really want one of them to be wearing a feathered cap? Yeah, maybe, Jackson. I don't know. <laughs> will, it, will it make your day if one of them is wearing a feathered cap? I mean, of course. Okay, of course. in that case, the one on the left is wearing a feathered cap. Alright, I'm going to go for the other one then. And <laughs> 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 um, I'm going to run towards the the, uh, yeah, the, the other one. Uh, the one and just on the like... right. Okay, 45 feet towards him. Uh, mm-hmm. I make it, you're about probably close to a third of the way there. So that's Jody done. The next thing that happens is these two bow-wielding people, I suppose. I guess we, we call people who aren't humans people in this world. So these two bow-wielding people fire their arrows. One of them is fired at Drazilia. In fact, because of the positioning of the trees, yeah, they're both fired at Drazilia. Oh, no. And that is a 25 and a 24 to hit. Yep, so, that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> so that is a nice and handy 18 points of piercing damage straight into Druzzy's petite frame as these two arrows strike her, uh, one from either side. And she still hasn't seen them. So the next thing that happens is Duncan. Uh, hang on one second. I just had a really interesting idea. What if, like... A triple threat wasn't someone who was really good at musical theatre, but was someone who was a liability to triple themselves. <laughs> oh, going out on the town with Tom tonight is a real triple threat. <laughs> 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 Gotta be careful with Tom, you never know. You're a, yeah, re- really pushing with that to be in the edit, hey Tom? You really want that to be in the I feel like if I could come up with enough good material, Ben's yeah, got no yeah, choice. At this point, it's like it's like a quarter of the show, so it has to be in there now, right? <laughs> Can I get Duncan to take a wisdom saving throw for me? Yeah, mate. Nine. Okay. Duncan, you're paralyzed. <gasps> oh. And, uh... <laughs> Duncan just... triples himself. <laughs> I mean, that's canon, Ben. <laughs> it happened. That's Duncan. Now it's Drazilia's turn. Drazilia's been hit by three arrows now, and she still can't see any of the archers. Well, I'm going to say you can take a look with advantage. Yeah. Well, she whips her head around furiously, and <laughs> it's a seven. And you get advantage, so go again. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, 15? Yeah, you can see both of them. Look at 15. Uh, there's one, yep, wearing a feathered cap off to your... It was left as you were, like, facing the main threat, like, behind you to the left, behind mm. you to the right. So the one wearing a feathered cap is off to your right if you whip around and turn backwards, and the one that Jody's running towards... Jody's probably... Should have gone with east and west from the beginning. Jody's probably <laughs> roughly near you, uh, off to your left a little bit, as he's yeah. charging towards this other one. So left, you, east, or west? Going? Is it okay. east now? Well, now that she's facing south... Left would be east. Yeah. Just to show you on a real map, Grace. <laughs> Check the Tweedo if you want to see Grace's fun map of Carthus that she drew yeah, herself. This is all I need, Steve. I mean, it's nothing! It's the wrong way around. How did I get it the wrong way around? I don't, I don't know! There's no direction on that map, Grace. Yes, there so you, is. Don't, you don't know that's it's the That's Carthus. Yeah, but you don't know where's north. <laughs> north is the top of the page, Steve. Yeah. Okay, oh whatever. Alright, Josie, tell me what okay. you're doing here. I rub my hands together, I chuck out a magic missile, and I expend a sorcery point to twin it. Oh, so two magic missiles. Both of these boys, yes. One on each, or both on one? I think it has to be one on each. Yeah, twin can't be on to Okay, yeah, great, okay. And when I say twin, I mean double, of course. Okay, double spell, of course. (laughs) So go ahead and roll your 
Three D four. So there's ten on one. Ten on one. Three. Ten. Ten on the other. Okay, ten on each of them. I was gonna say we need to decide which one Jack's running towards, but we don't because they've both taken ten damage from these magic missiles. Now it's Duncan's turn, but he's paralyzed. Give me that save, mate. Um. Yeah. So now it's the end of so your turn. So save me, maybe. It's the end of your turn. So go ahead and make a wisdom save. Sixteen. Duncan is no longer paralyzed. Nice. Uh, the beefy boy who was up next is lying dead in a crumple of bones and metal in front of you, Duncan. So now we're back around to my cool Sydney dad, Jody Mastana. All right. Uh, so how far, how far away am I from the, the non-capped friend? Uh, enemy, let, let, let's call him the one to the east, which is what he yep. is. The Easterling? Yeah, the Easterling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, just because I wasn't very specific about distances, that you'll, if you dash, you can get there. Cool. Okay. Uh, I'm going to burn a key point and dash for free. Great. But as I'm running over, I want you to imagine uh, Jody like sticking out his arm and giving the finger to the feather-capped uh, archer. <laughs> Off to the west? Uh, off to the west, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe they're not certain whether I'm just giving my finger to the west, if it's like a strong sort of like Marxist statement that Jody's making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> thumbing his uh, nose at the establishment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think first up, Jody's just gonna like, like run and then like leap up in the air and like kick this guy with both feet. Oh, a, a, an unarmed attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it, dude. Go ahead and make an unarmed strike, which I guess you're proficient in. I suppose qualifies as magical, but because does, you're yeah. sacrificing your, your main weapon attack for this and you're jumping into it, go ahead and make an acrobatics check, and then based on the quality of that acrobatics check, I either will or won't give you advantage on this attack. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. Can I can I press that magic button? Oh yeah, you know you can press that magic button on All your right. rod to get a little extra booster. Okay, base nine plus three for the boost thing, I'm pretty sure. Uh, no, the, plus the boost se- was just advantage. Oh, really? Okay, well, the first one was 16 then, and the second one, 15, funnily enough. So 16. Yep, so 16 is enough to grant you advantage on this attack roll. Go ahead. Nice. Okay, so 21 for the first one, and then uh, a crit failure for the second. So I'll take the <laughs> okay. 21. Thank you yeah, very much. Well, that's good, buddy. You're going to hit with that 21. Go ahead and deal your unarmed damage. Beautiful. And right. hey, do you have a point of inspiration? Take a point of inspiration if you don't. Oh, you're so kind. Thank you. I don't think I've really been giving those out. But I'm going to start. So go ahead. Yeah. I've got one. I think, I think you, d- you did around the time of the Temple of Life, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was like a brief, it was a brief flirtation. How do you spend them? Uh, you, anytime. Anytime you make any roll, you can yeah. spend your point of inspiration to gain advantage on the roll. Cool. Mm. So go ahead and have yeah, one. Yeah. Thank you very much. Ooh, that's max damage. That'll be 10 damage as I come crashing into this, Ooh, this person. Nice. Max damage. I'm going to say this person's going to make a con save, and with that eight, they're knocked prone because of this <laughs> two-footed kick to the chest. This no-feathered cap, what you can now see, a uh, long-haired, skinny, half-elf man is lying... Elf boy. Yeah. Hmm. In the oh, <laughs> <laughs> who, who has shot you with like two arrows? Yeah, Jussie's like, like, cool like damn. But maybe they were Cupid's arrows. Yeah, oh. treat them mean, keep them keen, right, Jussie? <laughs> oh, man. Well, jo- Jody's going to feel real bad about uh, just like grabbing his concussive rod and just like holding it above <laughs> this dude's head and just like ramming it down really hard <laughs> onto his face. Go ahead. Now, if, he, if, if, if he's prone, do I get yeah, advantage? Yeah, you get advantage. It's a melee. So the first one was a 26, uh, second one was a 20. So 26 to hit. Uh-huh. That'll be eight damage. Oh um, boy, that is just enough to knock him dead. <laughs> you, you crumple his unarmored skull a little bit with the rod. Jody's oh. doing work today, man. Yeah, he's, 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 a, he's, he's in a spicy mood, let me tell you. I really chose the wrong boy to hasten. <laughs> I guess that's you done for the day, Jody, or for right now. Yeah, I think I, I try and wedge out my concussive rod out of this dude's yeah, skull. Yeah, you pull it out of his crumpled eye socket, <laughs> and uh, on on you can go. And the next person to act is the remaining of these archery people, who fires an arrow at Drasilia, and... I, I gave him the finger! What is this vendetta? And does 13 hit Drasilia? It does! Oh, If it's dang. equal, it hits, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, it sure does. Okay, that is going to be another eight piercing damage. <laughs> How's Jussie looking? Just getting fucking nailed by arrows! Yeah. 
You're a regular Boromir. She's alive. I, I also, in addition to this, I want to start a new album on Facebook, which is called Close-Up Photos of T's Face Every Time I Say the Word Rod During Recording. So, that's that. And now... Yeah, um, can, can I get you to make a wisdom saving throw for me? <laughs> Oh, he's going to triple himself again. <laughs> Look. <laughs> a wiser man wouldn't have, but Duncan just tripled himself. Duncan <laughs> <laughs> is indeed paralyzed once more. Uh, no. And uh, the next person to act is Drazilia. you got this one feathered cap-wearing longbow person off to the west, and you got to paralyze Duncan. I just... Shake my head at Duncan. Am mm-hmm. I waiting? How is this my fault? Seems he's now is covered in. Hang on, is it is it two consecutive turns? Yeah, it is, Jackson. Honestly, that is an impressive generator. <laughs> All right, Drazi, what are you doing here? Uh, okay. Do you have like a cleaning um... spell you can like cast on Duncan? <laughs> I think mending does that. I just cast invisibility on him, so you have to look at him. <laughs> Gracie, that was very fucking funny. Thank you. I guess I'm going to... I think this might become Drazi's signature move. I'm going to cast Scorching Ray, that feathered cat boy, but I'm going to make it a fast spell and also hit him with a ray of frost. So four rays. Playing him hot and cold. Yeah. Playing him hot and cold. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Just like, just like the yeah. guy who shot you three times. <laughs> yeah, what could have been? Um... Give me the Scorching Ray attack rolls first. Three of them. Yep, so it's 20 to hit. Yep, that hits. No, it's 23 to hit. Still hits. My spells are so good. (laughs) Another 23. Yeah, also hits. And 13. Also hits. No way. Yeah. I mean, he has the same AC as me. Yeah, and you've got your um, Ray of Frost attack roll, so make that as well. Am I killing my wandering up? And 19. Okay, that also hits. So there you go. Four hits from Desi, three Scorching Rays. So 66 and 2d8 plus your Charisma modifier. 66. 66. Three lots of 2d6. 9, 13, 17, 22. 2d8. 11 plus Plus Charisma, yeah. 37. Dude, that's like better than an average fireball. Yeah, nice. So yeah. I'm going to say in a, a fit of absolute rage at the death of her potential love with just like the most hectic overkill we've seen in a little while, Drazilia just, I'm going to say jibs this this thing uh, off in the woods, sprays like a ray of frost that like freezes them first and then like the heat comes in, these three rays of fire, and I'm going to say they just burst and just like... Turn into just little bits on the trees and, and shit. Oh, dude, uh, like and Fantastic Four. Like yeah, Fantastic just like Four Fantastic thing. Four, dude. Yeah, the yeah. good one or the bad one? I mean, they're all good, Ben. Hey, what was that actor who played Mr. Fantastic? Uh, Ian Grufford. He did so much stuff around that time, and he has never done anything since. He's a very handsome dad. <laughs> he was in a film called Amazing Grace. Hey, all right, let's not get too distracted, because we're not out of initiative order just yet. It's really hard to start singing Amazing Grace without first singing hey, Amazing Grace. Duncan, you're paralyzed, so shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> let's keep playing this game, because the next person to act is Duncan. Wait, who's still here? You don't know. Five. Duncan is I mean still... 15, I mean 15. 15, 15, okay. Different number from 5. Duncan yeah. is no longer paralyzed. Did you notice how I said 5, like, take that dude? Yeah. And I was like, wait, <laughs> like fucking 15. Yeah. Glass so... and a half a shardy, I don't know what a fucking... <laughs> I got away. Yeah, just got away from <laughs> you there, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> just, just really got away from you. Is shardy a cross-cultural term? Hey, hey, we're still in fucking combat. Sorry. So Duncan is no longer paralyzed. I'm going to say that's the end of your turn. Jody, it's your turn. Do, do I have a sense that I'm still in combat? Go ahead and take a perception check for me. All right. That's a 17 for your boy. Okay. You can just make out to the north. Yeah, that's oh, all that's... you're allowed to do. <laughs> yeah. It's not even dark yet. That's all you're allowed to do. Get your smooch out. It's, it's, part of my, it's part of my monk vows. I'm only allowed to make out. Jody can just make out sort of in the woods beyond Duncan running north. 
<laughs> a scrap of black leather and black cloth fleeing through the forest. Black leather, you say? Yeah, I think Jody just like screams like, it's a gimp! And then like points like that way. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Khan triples himself. Oh, God. I'm not putting it in the show. <laughs> but then you have to. It, it'll cost too it's much time to take seconds. it out. <laughs> so how how far away is this scrap that's running? I'm gonna say from you. He's just over 200 feet. Just over 200 feet, huh? All right. I guess I. Um. I mean, realistically, I guess I guess I just dash towards him. Like screaming, yeah. essentially. <laughs> yeah, uh, you are faster than him, which means you will eventually catch him. Do any of the rest of you also pursue? With haste, yeah. Oh, yeah, because you've got haste, don't you? So, with Duncan's haste. Duncan's our fastest movement. guy. Yeah. Wow, okay. And Duncan's way closer. So I'm going to say, yeah, in, in short enough order, Duncan can catch this fool. I have advantage on an attacks of opportunity because of the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. go ahead, dude. Make your attack of so opportunity. So is my first attack opportunity or is it just like I get there and make an attack? You can get there and make an attack. So as, as you approach, you see that this is a human figure. They're running away from you. So that humanoid figure wearing like a black leather sort of robe over the top of like black leather armor that you can see. They might look like they're wearing the kind of black stuff that you've seen people wear who are in the sort of secret service of the king before. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you can make your first attack against them. Go ahead. So my first one to hit is 19 to hit. Uh-huh. That hits. That's coming in hot and heavy. That is, I get to reroll this two because of my sick feet. That is 15 damage. Oh my god, really? That's enormous. Okay. Then it is my extra attack. That is like 24 to hit. Uh Uh-huh. Coming in hot and fresh for 11 damage. Okay, cool. That's the end of your turn. And then... Oh, wait, it's haste. Oh, so go again. One more attack. (laughs) Jody yells... Maybe keep him alive. (laughs) (laughs) And that is a 23 to hit. Yep, that does it. And dealing some non-lethal this time with the Uh flat of my blade. That is 15 damage. Okay. Duncan, with his haste, now that he's finally free to move, sprints as fast as his magically enhanced little dwarven legs can carry him through the scrub up to this fleeing blur of black material. And what that sounds like is... (laughs) (laughs) Upon arrival, he quickly deals three blows with his magically enhanced arms, and uh, the third blow with the flat of the blade clangs into the back of the head of this fleeing character who tumbles to the ground unconscious before you. We're out of initiative order. What do you guys want to do? I like to think that just, like, faster than seems humanly possible, I hamstrung one leg, then the next, and then just hit him in the back of the head with the flat of the blade. Yeah, nice. Or maybe, like, for a bit of, like, fun whimsy, like, you put down the sword and took, like, a frying pan out of your backpack and, like, hit him with that. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just headbutted him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, like, get into his legs. Yeah. Like, like, like some real Hobbit vibes, like, from the... Uh, out of the frying pan into the yeah. fire. Oh, nice. Yeah. Hey everyone, it's me, your friendly DM. Just checking in in the middle of the show. Thanks as always for listening. You're still the best. We are kind of shocked to be coming up on episode 20 here. Thanks for all your support in getting us there. We can't believe it and you've been amazing. To that end, to try and make the show a little more accessible to newcomers, we're planning on releasing an episodes 1 through 19 recap alongside episode 20 so that we can get some new people on board without them needing to go back and listen through like 19 hours of content. So keep an eye out for that and we'd love it if you'd share it with a friend or someone who you think would enjoy the show. We think it's going to be a really good jumping off point so people can just start on the new stuff without having to listen to the old stuff. A quick shout out this week to Queen Anna the Wicked, that's at Dice Rolling Mama on Twitter for shouting us out. Go show her some love. And if you want us to show you some love, go ahead and tweet or Facebook at or about us. It's really helpful in spreading the word or as always, it's incredibly helpful for you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Anyway, that's it for today. Thanks as always. Enjoy the rest of the show. So, is, is Druzzy catching up, essentially? Like, is she checking out this person we've just yeah, knocked down? She's walking over. She's walking um, on up. Pulling the arrows out of her. Yeah. yeah. Well, as, Dru- as Druzzy approach- approaches, I think Jody is sort of, like, waiting for her and is like, kind of like, Druzzy, I, uh, I just want to apologise. I wish I had, um... I wish I'd been able to do more to get in the way of, um... The way of those archers. As a, as a man that can literally 
catch arrows with his hands uh, and fire them back at the enemies. I really wish that there was an opportunity for me to say show off this talent and uh, also perfect, protect you from any uh, from any damage. I'm so sorry. This is the, this is the way that the uh, the cookie crumbled on this situation. Are you are you shaming me for not being able to catch arrows? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kind of I'm kind of shaming Ben because I was trying so hard to try and catch an arrow and fucking throw it back and not yeah. one arrow came my way. It was because to be very honest, upsetting. it kind of sounds to me like. Jody's just bragging, really. Yeah. <laughs> like he's just walking over to be like, hey, you know, I can catch arrows, right? I think yeah. Duncan Khan probably chimes in, and Duncan Khan's like, hey, Jody, you know, uh, I've got a short bow in me pack. <gasps> a little bit of practice. I could shoot some arrows at you right now if you want. You should I know, think- though, that it, because it's not a melee weapon, I can't make it non lethal. <laughs> I, <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> Without the risk, what's the game? Yeah, exactly. I slap this boy on his face and wake him up. Um, Sick of waiting. Um, well, unfortunately, that doesn't work. He's unconscious. You, yeah, you've killed him. Does anyone have any smelling salts? He, he's long unconscious. And as you roll him over, you do notice that he is, in fact, a human male. Jazzy conceals her disappointment and um, says, Okay, let's hide him in the shrub and take cover and have a short rest. Oh. I mean, a little break. <laughs> <laughs> A little pastoroo. Maybe our wounds might heal. I don't know. Yeah, what do you guys think about that? It's, uh, I'm going to say it's still a little before dawn. So it's darkest? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's it's darkest right now. (laughs) Uh, So what are you guys doing? Are you going along with Drazi's plan of, like, hiding this uh, young man in the bushes and taking a short rest? Or what are you you thinking? Duncan probably says, I think if we're going to try to take a breather, we've got to tie this guy up and we should get his mouth as well. Okay, that's fine. Should we, um, I, I don't love the fact that we keep, um, doing this, but should we use the leather he is wearing to tie him up? <laughs> I'm really worried it's becoming our calling card, and I, um, <laughs> people tied up underneath their clothes. <laughs> I'm afraid down the track there will be serious ramifications for our personal reputation, but, um, I think it's the best option we have. Surely we have right. No, you, you have enough rope to tie him up. You don't need to use his own clothes, like the weird beards that you are. <laughs> but if we want to, can you we? You can, of course, yes. You can strip this man naked, tie him up, and then put his clothes back on him on top of his tied-up body. <laughs> okay, we tie him up. Wonderful. Let me bandage my wounds. All right, it's tied up. You guys going to take a short rest? Uh, yeah, I guess. While you keep an eye out on things? Yep. All right, go ahead and take a short rest. Spend as many hit dice as you want. Jody has to meditate to get some some of his uh, key points back, so he's just going to be chilling for like 30 minutes. And now we're going to do those 30 minutes live. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Okay, I've used all my hit die. All right, so how many hit points is Jazzy on now? 42. 42? Back from the brink. Meaning, meaning of life. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, what about D- Duncan? You didn't take any damage that fight, did you? I used one hit die. And Jodas? Uh, I'm literally just, I didn't take any damage as much as I tried to, so I'm uh, just meditated, yeah. Meditated, regained some hit points, uh, some key points, and all right. An hour has passed as you guys have been chilling out in the dark, bandaging your wounds. I imagine, like, eating a can of cold beans with a spoon. I'm going to say the sun's starting to peek over the horizon. Cheeky sun, taking a peek. (laughs) Does this man look like he's going to wake up anytime soon? He's not awake now. (sighs) Can I just poke him a little bit more again? You can. We should probably kill him before we go into town. Okay. Is killing a defenseless tied-up hostage Jody's vibe? Uh, It's certainly not up there on the list of things he he wants to do. Surely it is, in in terms of, is there anything we need to know from this person? Because the way I see it is that if they are searching for us and they believe us to be here, then leaving him here tied up probably does not indicate all that much. He can tell them that we're here. This, This is true. Yes, so potentially there's some value in questioning this person. I would really rather we didn't just um, ice this guy uh, <laughs> while he's tied up and unconscious. But how long until people come looking for these these soldiers in the woods? Like, these are obviously the king's men. They're wearing the same clothes. What What is your point? I'm saying black leather equals bad. <laughs> Time to kill. Step, step, step. <laughs> <laughs> Jazzy's tattoo. She has it on her forehead. <laughs> you, you, you make a very compelling argument. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I, I guess it doesn't sit, sit well with me. I don't, I don't think it's right for us to, to do that. I'll tell you, there are D and D rules on how long someone takes to come back to life after they get knocked unconscious. It's one D four hours. 
I rolled a d4 when this guy was unconscious. It's now been an hour, and he's not back awake. Listen, I, I, I like honestly, like I am. I feel like at this point we've been through enough that I am. I feel like we are a genuine party, I suppose. Um, so if this is what you both think, we definitely 100% should do, then I guess I can just, um, I don't know. But I, I just think that, that that maybe there's another way, or maybe we don't actually gain all that much from just killing this person. I look towards Duncan expectantly. He knows we're here. We can't let them know where we are or where we're headed. I don't want to kill him, but I don't think we have many options. How safe do you think it is for us to wait with him? It'd be a poorly operating machine indeed that didn't check on its loose gears. <laughs> Dude. The guy's multiclassing into artificer. Because he's very yeah. confused by this metaphor. What are you saying? I'm saying they're going to come looking for the squad they sent after us. And if we but- stand around... It'll just be more people we have to kill. Well, what about this as an idea, though? If they sent a squad out here and then they disappeared, how long is it going to take them to figure out that the reason why they disappeared is probably because we are the ones that killed them? It could be bandits. It could be wolves with these, great swords. These, are, these are the king's men. I think, I think you would agree that they are probably up to the task of most opponents. Not to be uh, blowing smoke up our own asses, but um, I... I don't think we necessarily gain that much. I think if if the if the party if the if this squad is disappeared, then they will assume that it is us that did that. We probably don't gain all that much tactically by killing him. Maybe like a little more XP, but um, you know. Here's what I think we do, Jody. Put him on your shoulders. We'll walk around the edge of the town, still in the forest edge. And when I say that, I mean the edge of the forest, not the town called Forest Edge. <laughs> and. Bob's your uncle, both sides win. Capiche? I, I love your enthusiasm. Um, what what exactly do you mean? Like, so I, I will carry him around to the other side? We'll just walk to a different part of the forest. Right. And leave the body there? or And wait for him to wake we'll up. Wait for him to wake up. Oh, oh, you mean leave here and wait. Yeah. Oh. I, I think fair. that, yeah, that makes, that makes sense. Yeah, I think Hang that... on. Unless we take him with us all the way to Carthus. And just onwards for the rest of our mission. At some point, we'll let him go and he'll tell them where we are. No, after he wakes up, then he's not an unconscious captive and we can kill him. <laughs> well, he'll be a dick. He's one of the king's men. Yeah, I, I, I think, okay, let's, let's drag him somewhere else, see when he wakes up, interrogate him, and then figure out what to do next. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to drag him kind of like towards the town and like maybe off either east or west? Or it's north towards Forest Edge? I reckon if we head... Northeast. Okay, so further into the woods. But also towards North. the town. Yep. Cool. So I'm going to say, is that agree- everyone agrees with that plan? Yep. Okay. Yep. So I'm going to say you can collect this guy and you can kind of walk northeast, the sun's sort of coming up, maybe like two hours-ish further walking. You can probably, with your keen ears and eyes, Jody, begin to see sort of and hear... You can see like motion through the trees far ahead and you can hear sort of the sounds of like maybe people and carriages rumbling and you you understand that you're sort of coming to like the town is on the sort of horizon through the trees. And uh, it's probably around this time, after a couple hours walking, when you're getting towards the edge of the town, that you hear the uh, unconscious boy that you're charged with begins to sort of sputter to life and like tossing a little bit and like sort of starting to sort of groggily come into consciousness. Point of clarification, did we did we gag him when we when we tied yeah. him up? Yeah, okay. Okay. Alright, so he's been gagged and so he's kinda of like into the gag. You wanna put him down, Jody? <laughs> yeah, I think Jody, as soon as he starts like mumbling and that sort of thing, like rests him against a tree and that sort of thing. Okay. He's still gagged and he's rested against a tree. Uh like I sort of like try and get him to quiet down essentially, sort of thing, like and see if he's responding to me like, like as if I'm going to take off his gag and I'm like trying to like shush him. Does he sort of respond? Uh if you're shushing him, uh, I'm gonna say he initially kinda yeah, quietens down a little bit. I then take a dagger and like hold it to him and then like oh. right right near him. And then I I, I just sort of say like I'm going to lower the gag. If you scream, this goes through your fucking eye. Ooh, Jody. And then, and then I like so slowly pull the gag down. Okay, as you pull the gag down, he stares at you for a second and he says, Ah, you bastards. What are you doing with me? Where are you taking me? What are you doing out here? Well, I think that's pretty bloody obvious. 
They sent a bunch of us out from Forest Edge looking for, well, I assume you lot. How did they know we were coming? Uh, I don't... I don't know. I don't bloody make the orders. I get told, go to Forest Edge, patrol a section of the forest to the south, and if you see anyone creeping through the bushes, particularly three people of your description, you'd apprehend them at all costs. So you're saying you don't know anything of use to us and are no good to us? <laughs> Stone cold. Um, make an intimidation check with advantage. Nice. And you get plus one to this on, because of your cool necklace. <laughs> yeah, still only a nine. Oh well, with God. your plus charisma, plus one. Yeah. Okay, shit. Uh, he kind of looks at you for a minute and says, Well, that was some cool shit to say, but, uh... <laughs> Yeah, I don't, uh... Well, you're gonna have to be more specific, at least. Duncan leans in with his greatsword, like, to the dude, and says, You listen to me. I served in the army. I know how this goes. You got nothing to say. You're nothing but danger to us. And I'll stick you right here and leave you where you're lying. And I'm gonna make an intimidation check. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I think J- Jody promptly, like, lowers his dagger once, like, Duncan fucking brings his great sword. It's, a little, it's a little redundant, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. De- depressingly, even with my training in intimidation, that's only coming out at nine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, alright. J- Jody brings his knife back and is like, what they said. And then tries to intimidate him from that. <laughs> that's a nat 20. He triples himself. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so as, as Jody brings that knife uh, into him, you see the, the fear go into his eyes. He and, finally uh, gets it. Yeah, he finally gets it. Oh, oh, what they said. What they, oh, what they said. You're going to kill me, are you? Well, all right. Okay, look, uh, this is what I know. I know we had some intel that said that uh, the three of you would maybe... Just over a week ago, left a refugee camp somewhere in the Ashwood, and you were probably heading west. We figured you might be heading through Forest Edge, and uh, they dispatched some some little groups to go off in each direction and uh, see if they could find anyone creeping through the woods. Is there anybody else in Forest Edge? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's some guards on the roads in and out of town, some on the west and some on the east, but uh, none on the south and north, mostly just uh, out, out in the woods on either side. Can I roll inside for that? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, that'll be a 16. He seems sufficiently frightened to you that you believe he's telling the truth. All right. I, I, I generally think that Jody probably looks towards Duncan at this point. I kill him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you just, what, impale him with the greatsword? Yeah. As you do this, Ah, oh, you bastard! <laughs> quite dark. Yeah, wow. It's getting dark up in here. Okay, he's dead now. Uh, he's impaled to a tree. <laughs> and uh, how do you think Jody feels about that? Probably similarly in shock. I uh, I assumed he was going to lead another line of questioning, not fucking impale <laughs> the dude in front of me. Jo- Jody throws up. Like, jo- Jody straight up throws up over this corpse. And then, he like... He singles himself. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think I think Jody's genuinely pretty shaken and kind of like goes to walk it off a little bit. Well, you've you've executed things now. <laughs> I thought that was what he wanted. Yeah, Duncan thought you were like giving him the signal, like, well, I've I've done my bit now. Go ahead, do yours. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought you looked at me like it's okay. time. Yeah, it's time now. <laughs> I get. I guess we're used to doing this when we're all in the same room. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so what are you guys doing? I think we headed to town from the south, not using the roads. Okay. As you come to the edge of the woods, you can see the settlement beyond. Forest's Edge sits in a roughly circular clearing, and running west to east along the centre of town is the King's Road. It recedes into denser woods on either side. Forest's Edge began its life as a brief point of respite, a last stop before trekking deeper into the dangerous Ashwood, but it's since grown into a thriving trade town. At the centre of the settlement, right on the King's Road, is a combined inn and trading post. Large purple letters on the side of the building declare its name, the Royal Blue. Radiating out from this central fixture are a series of shops selling all manner of different items from inside and outside the Ashwood. There are also a few residential buildings that house the people who work here. It's not yet busy in town. A few carts and travellers are milling around the inn, and a slow but steady procession trundles in and out of town. 
On the roads to the east and west at the main entrances, you can see what appear to be guard posts. At each entrance there's a wagon bearing the king's banners and a handful of foot soldiers intently watching the travellers that pass through, occasionally challenging a group and putting them under more thorough scrutiny. Alright, I pull the boys back into the, the wood mm-hmm. say, we need to alter our appearance. Anyone got any leaves? <laughs> <laughs> what if we just stand in the trees till my hair grows long? <laughs> I'll, I'll say this, you know the guy said he was looking for the three of you. We have to split the party. Yep. I'll go first. Perhaps I am the quickest and I... Jody's yeah. also completely changed his clothes since the last time anyone saw you that might have given some intel. Yeah, yeah and I'm pretty sure even the merchants wouldn't recognise these clothes after what, the, what they've been through. <laughs> tie-dye stylings. Yeah. Uh, well, not tie-dye, but just like, you know... <laughs> can you ever really wash that out? <laughs> Perhaps... Perhaps I should go first, and then if anything happens, you guys can come to my aid, I suppose. If they're looking for three of us, yeah, perhaps we, we split up in that way. Sounds like a good idea. So Jody's just going to kind of like like Indiana Jones joining like the, the Nazi rally, just kind of like stumble into the crowd and like walk through it and pretend that he's meant to be a part of it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. Jody's going to pretend he's just a regular old traveler. Okay, okay. So Jody's wearing his very cool Peter Allen getup. He kind of stumbles out of the woods and into the town. It's not that busy. It's still early in the morning. There's a few sort of caravans rolling around. And I'm going to say it's busy enough that no one's really paying attention as you kind of walk out of the tree line and into town. Where do you think Jody goes? Yeah, does he have a sense of where uh, Kipfler was or not? Now, I believe Hasselback told you Kipfler runs the inn in Forest Right. Edge. Okay, well then I suppose he's, he's probably heading towards the Royal Blue. Okay, wonderful. So as, as you walk into the Royal Blue, it is early morning. Uh, so you walk past like a number of horses and carriages sort of tied up up and left next to sort of posts out the front then there's some big saloon doors it's a large space it's like a it's probably the largest inn you've seen uh, in your travels so far and sort of the left wall is kind of taken up by an assortment of booths where people are like buying and selling different goods that are coming in and out, lots of paperwork getting done. Only a few of them are open at this early hour. The sort of main part of it though is like a sort of beer hole kind of vibe. There's lots of sort of sleepy-eyed travellers coming down for their morning feed, a few of them having, you know, just a sort of a quick breakfast. And the right-hand wall is a bar where you can see a cheery-looking halfling woman scrubbing the bar, smiling at the sort of customers as they come down from the rooms upstairs. And as you enter, she probably looks in your direction as well and then goes right back to her business. Yeah, I, I, I head on over and I'm, I kind of like, yeah, I basically head over and I'm like, uh, greetings. Hello, my name's Marianne. Welcome to the Royal Blue. What can I do for you, sir? It is a, uh, a, a pleasure to make your acquaintance. Um, I was just... And likewise you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, um, I, uh, I, I, is there, uh, is there, uh, sorry, she chuckles um, noticeably at your consternation. Uh, so I, I think this, uh, it's a very nice inn. Um, is, is the, is the, um, owner around? I would love to ask him some, some questions, ask them some questions about, um, <laughs> about the, um, establishment. Oh, no. And the she, architecture? She kind of looks at you a little funny, but not, like, alarmed. And is kind of like, are you talking about Kipfler, my employer? Oh, uh, uh, Kip, Kipfler, yes. Um, that's, <laughs> sure, okay, what, says, what a wonderful name. She says, I'll be honest with you, this is probably the strangest interaction I've had early in the morning <laughs> here at the Royal Blue. Uh, it's not often someone stumbles in off the street asking for Kipfler, particularly in such a peculiar fashion, but uh, I'll see if he's awake yet. Uh, what did you say your name was? Oh, um, my name is Vigo Mortensen. (laughs) (laughs) She says, uh, Vigo Mortensen, is it? Okay, well, uh, okay, Vigo, and she winks at you uh, before <laughs> disappearing uh, through a door behind the bar. What do you What do you do while you wait? I I, I guess Jody uh, goes and sort of like finds a booth nearby, somewhere like, ideally out of sight of like the the door immediately, and then uses his sending stone. I have made it into the Royal Blue. I am waiting to meet Kipfler. Met the bartender Marianne. Nice lady. See you soon. <laughs> 
That's my message. Yeah. <laughs> now, because we've established this is a Slack thread and Garrick can receive this message, you hear from <laughs> Garrick a short moment later. Uh, so let me quickly draft it out. Oh, man. I did not think this morning that I was going to spend my evening listening to my friends flirt with each other. Did you call what Jody was doing yeah, flirting? <laughs> Look, if there's going to be any romantic context that involves any of the three player characters that's not with each other, it's going to be one of you with me. That's <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately just the way this is going to play out. Why did you think I dreamed up this whole crazy game? <laughs> <laughs> was that a Ben impersonation? It sounded like a Ray Winston impersonation. <laughs> Do you know who I am? Uh, I'm Ben McAllister, bitch. I'm, I'm Ben McAllister, the size of a tangerine. <laughs> what? That's Michael Caine now. That was my Michael Caine. Oh, yeah. uh, no. Dude, that was pitch perfect. Some men aren't after anything logical, Master Bruce. Some men just want to watch the world flirt with Ben McAllister. <laughs> and then, those men are Ben McAllister. It's very sad. <laughs> it's true. I'm one of them. I found a child. Flirting with a ruby, the size of Ben McAllister. <laughs> That's a big ruby. Uh, I'm not a slight boy. It's a good impression. Yeah. All right, you get back from Garrick. Thank goodness. Have you still got the letter Hasselback gave you? Use that to gain trust. Marianne is a wonderful lady. <laughs> so, after a few minutes of waiting, you see the door behind the bar swing open. But you can't actually see the figure that walks through it because he's behind the bar and he's short and the bar's quite tall. <laughs> a second or so later, you see a halfling man walk out from behind the bar into the sort of main bar room. Let me just describe this gentleman for you. He's obviously short, being a halfling. He's got a really severe haircut. Like, uh, if not shaved bald, at least he's got a short back and sides. He's got tattoos on his arms. He's got a big beard. He's wearing like a leather vest. And he kind of peers around the bar before he spots you in your booth. He wanders on over and he says, Are you, uh, are you Vigo Mortensen? <laughs> and uh, he kind of cocks an eyebrow at you as he says it. Uh, yes. I was just wondering if you had any... Hasselbeck potatoes on the menu. And I slide him the letter. <laughs> <laughs> the smoothest move Jody's ever made. Uh, go ahead and make a charisma check for me. With advantage, I'll grant you for that. Oh, thank God, because let me tell you. Jody's, Jody's really playing out of type at the moment. Yeah. Okay, so the first one was an 8. The next one is a 16. Oh, pretty slick. I'm going to say you see him kind of like a little bit a little bit surprised at this. He maybe wasn't expecting you to be such a, you know, cool cucumber. He sort of picks up the letter whilst looking at you with a, a little hint of interest, opens it and reads it and says, why don't you come on through the back room here? And he turns around and walks back behind the bar and back out through that door. Yeah, I, I, I think, oh, fuck. Yeah, I, I, I guess at this point, Jody is probably like, burns his second message and is just kind of like heading through to the back room of Kipta now where are you two hurry up and meet me here I think it's on <laughs> I think it's on he says so you walk back through to the back room you guys get that message do either of you say anything in response oh. coming at you. <laughs> okay cool usage of 20 words and uh, do you guys just kind of like staggered like a few minutes apart walk into town no I turn to Duncan and I say we should swap weapons <laughs> So now Drazilia has this giant great oh, yeah. For the yeah. audience who can't see, T is just vehemently shaking his head. No, nodding his head. Uh, he's excited by this prospect, I assume. So now Duncan is carrying this gnarled, smooth, dark wood stuff with a ruby gem type thing in the top of it. And Drazilia is carrying a giant greatsword. I guess that qualifies as a disguise of some description. And uh, I guess you take turns, kind of staggered, heading into town. Yeah. yeah. Should we assume, uh, Jody, that you inform Kipfler that you have compatriots coming as well? Yeah, I think that would be prudent. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll say, like, as you guys enter the inn, assuming that's what you do, yeah. uh, Marianne sees you come in and kind of just, like, oh. nods her head, like, over her shoulder at the door behind her, behind the bar. You guys can head on through. She's but been... do you think, with an eight intelligence, Duncan understands that for what it is? Or... <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm so glad you made that joke. Yeah. Because it was it was right here. I'd say that's more of a wisdom type thing uh, than a book a book learning. Well then, I'll take a wisdom save for the spell Marianne is casting on me. <laughs> We've, we've come so far without being a D&D podcast. Ben, it's my turn to flirt with you. Where everyone tries to fuck the bar wench. Can we not start being that podcast now? Is that okay? I maintain Jody, Jody was not trying. How to win loot and get laid. How to lose listeners and become like every other shitty dude bro D&D podcast. Uh, so what do, you, what do you guys do? Do you head back behind the bar? Yep. Okay, you guys all head into the back room, you head down some stairs, you find yourself in the basement of the inn, and at a, a little table with some comfortable looking chairs scattered around, you can see Jody sitting in a chair, this halfling man I've described sitting opposite him, and the two of you can take up positions. He says, well, now that we're all here, I feel like I should first congratulate you on slipping through the security net to get here, and uh, second of all, introduce myself. I'm Kipfler. Hasselback, my brother, has uh, passed this missive through you. Fortunately, despite the uh, delay in your arrival, Garrick was here a few days ago, and uh, he had a second copy of the letter. So uh, we've already begun procedure to uh, set up a new sort of safe space for Hasselback and the refugees, so don't you worry about that. I must say, uh, we weren't sure you were going to make it in the end. What way laid you? We uh, fell off the map a little. <laughs> <laughs> Drozzy was making one, but it didn't have north on it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I suppose cartography's not that easy in this day and age. Easy for some. Yeah, funnily enough, a lot of farmers in the area are actually very good with maps. (laughs) Uh, I assume you'll be wanting the same arrangement as Garrick. That is to say, surreptitious passage to Gotha City. How did you manage it for Garrick? Hmm, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) <laughs> you see, uh, I've uh, come to an arrangement with the guards at either end of this city over the last few uh, months. I keep them, uh, shall we say, with uh, whistles sufficiently wet, and uh, they don't trouble me or my business too much. Uh, he, he explains to you that he sort of runs this ale distribution network, and he, he ships carts of ale from Forest Edge straight to Carthus. And uh, it's reasonably easy for him to keep stowaways there. So you telling me that you're going to send us barrels out of bonds? <laughs> I don't know what that is. What? Hand me the hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go get him. <laughs> yes, yeah, so he explains that he can arrange uh, for you guys to sort of hang out in the back of this cart that's heading to guard the city. And uh, because of his arrangement with the guards, no one should pay too much attention as you leave town. Cool. I think probably being a dwarf, I say something like, yeah, barrel me out of bonds, mate. <laughs> <laughs> a classic Hobbit Refo. Jody's just like suddenly horrified that this is like some sort of like sex dungeon or something like that because like Duncan's come in swinging. How did I come in swinging? I made a nerdy book joke. <laughs> it's true. He did make a nerdy book joke. That's true. It was probably the least sexual thing to said this but episode. But did you raise a like, questioning eyebrow at the barmaid? So he says... Well, if uh, you all consider that to be an agreeable arrangement, then I uh, should be able to get you in a car today. But uh, I hope you don't mind sharing it with one other passenger. It's Marianne, isn't it? <laughs> he uh, chuckles and says, <laughs> uh, Unfortunately for you, no, she remains here. But uh, the, the other passenger I don't believe you've met. He's a refugee of sorts. Uh, found his way to Sanctuary not long after your arrival, and, uh, well, Garrick and Hasselback are of the opinion that he might be of, uh, extreme interest to, uh, you guys. So, he's heading to Carthus as well to join Garrick and you and, uh, see what assistance he can provide. Who is he? You'll have plenty of time to get acquainted on the road, but my understanding is that he's a soldier from the front lines who has, uh, abandoned his post and, uh, is looking now to see what he can do in, uh, the effort against the king. Can we meet him? Of course. Kipsla leaves the room, and the three of you are alone in the basement for a few minutes. Looking around, you can see a vast array of ale barrels, each bearing a different maker's mark, detailing the extent of Kipsla's trade network. It's impressive. You note some familiar bottles which you quickly recognize as originating from Sanctuary, but curiously they seem to have nondescript labeling. 
Suddenly, the door at the top of the stairs opens, and a tall, willowy half-elf man walks down. He's wearing armour, and his travelling cloak is fixed at the collar with a pendant. This probably doesn't register much with Jody or Drazilia, but Duncan's eyes snap to it immediately. The pendant bears a sigil that you recognise instantly. Horns. The symbol of your old platoon. The symbol of the werewolf. How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Thomas Owen, Grace Chapel, Ben McAllister, and Jackson Newsom. Editing by Ben McAllister. You can find details of all the music in the show notes. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where Grace talks with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them, or still interested, where we look at film and TV that has been rebooted or remade and try to figure out why they thought it was a good idea. Check it all out at curionetwork.com.